Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Reconcinimation. I am John Diner. And I'm David Munchak. And we are looking at our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we have a very, very special episode for you today. Actually, it's part one of a two-parter. Ooh. I love I like of a double feature. It's a double feature. You <laughs> and there'll be a cliffhanger. Oh, my, oh man. Get ready. Another one. Another oh, okay. <laughs> what are we doing today? So we are talking about this was a much debated list, but uh, these are uh, th- this show is going to be about women we love to watch. On on, on film, right? On well, <laughs> not out in not public. just out the window. <laughs> not, through, not through the hedges. That would be Inappropriate. No, but women we love uh, on film, on the silver screen, who have been delighting us for some for decades. Yeah. And we made a few rules. We made this is kind of a a big list. So we split it up into two parts. Uh, Rather than going your, you know, number one to number whatever, 50 or, or, you know, 200. We're we're doing them in sort of time order. So we, we, we came up with a few rules to kind of give us some guidelines. Uh, and we'll, I think we're going to go over that first before we get into that list. Uh, number one. Mm-hmm. Now, don't be dismayed by this, guys. But we, we're going to automatically disqualify some of those that would, are always n- number one and number two on these kind of lists. The ranked list of, you know, top ten women, you know, badass women or right. inspirational women. So as much as we personally love... Lieutenant Ellen Ripley mm-hmm. and Sarah Connor, mm-hmm. those characters are going to be just automatically disqualified because they're always on these lists. They're they're understood to be great uh, characters who happen to be female that we enjoyed uh, in the movies when we were growing up. So we can appreciate them separately. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. If you want to, if you guys want to acknowledge that they are number one and two, sure, go ahead. Yeah. And we're doing the list without those guys and those ladies. And <laughs> to reiterate, we're not really ranking the women we're talking about. This is going to be from uh, a time period, right? What's, yeah. What's the time frame? Uh, this uh, part one here, we're going to go from about six to the the mid sixties through kind of the mid eighties. Oh, all right. So, and then we'll do the mid eighties through early very early 2000s okay great so yeah we're not this isn't a, a competitive list uh to or ranking system these are just women we love to watch in film <laughs> in film in film <laughs> emphasize that <laughs> uh and then our last kind of rule here was uh they have to be characters that can't have been rescued by a man so we want we're we're looking at women who stood up on their own merits and uh, weren't really. It wasn't like the men had to guide them to that point, and then they were, you know, important or, right. you know, a badass or whatever. Yeah. So uh, women who hold their own as characters without being propped up by uh, other male uh, characters of authority or power or whatever. Yeah. So. Okay. So we will have we will have at the end of this we'll have an honorable mention section, which other female characters that we love, but they were at one point you know influenced, rescued, whatever you want to whatever term you want to use by by men. Yeah, the, the the honorable mentions will be the ones that break the rules. Yeah. a little bit, but can't be ignored in any good list. Right. Otherwise, so cool. Well, I'm so glad we're here in the studio. 
ready to talk ladies. I'm always, yeah, I'm always <laughs> happy to be here with you, yeah, David. Yeah, well, great. Well, that's why I'm here 24 <laughs> 7. So whenever you decide to pop by, you'll see me. So. It's 11:30 at night. I'm just gonna <laughs> swing by, and then oh, hey, 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 oh, buddy, here. I'm here. Hey. <laughs> Let's record something. Flick that on. (laughs) Call an intern who we make also sleep in the studio. They rotate in and out. (laughs) But uh, all right. Well, I mean, we're just going to jump right in then? Yeah. I think we just just go for it. Okay, cool. Uh, So let's start off with uh, kind of a kick-ass lady. Uh Uh-huh. Bonnie Parker from Bonnie and Clyde. Ah. 1967, played by Faye Dunaway. This is a great one. Yeah, I haven't actually. Some of these movies will also preface this. We some of them we may not have seen in a while, but we know the characters, remember the characters, and you know know their impact. Yeah, there's definitely a few here that I have not seen in forever. So uh, bear with me. <laughs> well, and and Bonnie and Clyde was a very very important movie in 1967. It's sort of what it's what started the Hollywood new wave that I you mm-hmm. know I always love that. Can't stop talking about it. Of course. Um, but this really like kicked the door in and started that movement. Yeah. Um, there hadn't really, to my recollection, there hadn't really been a female character to that prior to that, that was like, you know, just burst in, started shooting up then, you know, like real conniving. Not that there weren't, there were conniving female characters in the, uh, in the film noir zone. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the femme fatales and all that. Yeah. But she was just like a trailblazer as far as making making an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie itself, Faye Dunaway, and you know Warren Beatty as well. But uh, really shocking to see this kind of a character. Mm-hmm. Well, they they start out as small time crooks basically, right? And mm-hmm. get in get in with some folks and then escalate escalate until it it ends in a violent way, right? Yeah, and they're just they're wild. I mean, they're they're at least they're portrayed in that film as yeah. you know, wild characters, loose cannons, uh, you know, no problem shooting things up, one of the most violent endings in um in cinema at that point. Right. The most violent ending really. It was it was uh it was I think it was rated X briefly and Oh wow. Yeah, it was uh a big important important film for for uh, women, I think, especially. And of course, with, with Faye Dunaway uh, in the role, it's just endlessly watchable. With yeah, her. she's just she's everything. And that's a movie that really like like she had done movies before that, but uh-huh. that really made her a star. This was like a, the breakout movie for her. Yeah. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, that makes sense. And then we're we're gonna see, we're gonna hear a little more Faye Dunaway as we kind of continue through here. Mm, all right. But uh, moving along, staying in the '60s. Another uh, icon of that era, Jane Fonda portrayed Gloria in "They Shoot Horses, Don't They." Oh, now this one, this was a this one was a tough one because it's what it's a ballroom dancing, it's a marathon yeah. contest. It's a marathon <laughs> dance, a, a dance marathon yeah. contest where you basically dance, and this is a real thing. Mm-hmm. You dance until you drop, yeah, or and in, in some cases die, die like, right there, right. Yeah. Well, because I think it goes it goes on for weeks. Weeks, yeah. <laughs> and there's you know there's no, um, you know again I haven't seen it in recently. I I think there is a there's a period where they do stop. Yeah. But then they have to keep going until they don't like sleep. They get very yeah. brief. I think they get like a bathroom break and a yeah. some food break a little yeah. bit. But like you're not you're not resting. No, right. I mean <laughs> you have to basically keep going. Yeah. Um, and they go for hours at a time and and. Uh, 
It's one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. She's brilliant in it. Yeah. Jane Fonda's had a lot of great roles. This was I don't, I haven't been moved, you know, by 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 any of her other characters as much as I was as this this one. This one. But this is your top Jane. Top Jane right here. This is a Jane. Coming home is up there too, but uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh this was uh very just a great another great character really um it says a lot about depression and mm-hmm. and uh we're going to cover the movie in itself but uh sure. great movie highly recommended if you haven't seen it uh especially if you're a Jane Fonda fan you it's a must see get there <laughs> get there run, run get your tickets now get your t- yeah tickets on sale <laughs> uh moving along we just we recently covered Harold and Maude. So we are going to put Maude back on this list. Ah. 1971, Harold and Maude, directed by Hal Ashby, one of one of my personal favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maude is just such a great character uh, who you, you can check out that episode in the archives, www.reconcinemation.com. Maude is such a special, different character, just like the movie itself. You know, there's just teaching you about you know, how to be free, how to be, you know, be yourself and, and just experience life. Yeah, Ruth Gordon brings so much to it that she, from the moment you meet her and she is living this just sort of, it seems kind of wild and, and peculiar, but she's just living her best life, as they say these days, where, you know, she doesn't have to have regard for the, the rules and everything. She doesn't need to concern herself because she's just living free and happy you know she's not uh dangerous or you know reckless yeah um but she's just trying to be as carefree because life she knows that life is short um and she you know imparts that wisdom on on harold and and the audience yeah and she knows you know she's put her own kind of parameters on what life is and when it should when enough is enough Mm -hmm. and uh you know she teaches harold yeah so she sort of rescues him Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Not sort of. Definitely. She doesn't. 100% rescues him <laughs> and changes his life forever. Yeah. And they only knew each other for a week. Yeah, that's the crazy thing about that movie. And, uh, you know, yeah, so go back in the archives, take, take a look at that one. Huh? I think you'll see that we, we both enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, next up is we're going to get a back-to-back here. Okay. Well, one of our favorites from the 70s, Ellen Burstyn. First, 1973, The Exorcist, Chris oh, McNeil. Yes. Uh, amazing character, great movie, but amazing character for her. Uh, a really strong woman who, who obviously has to deal with some insane, <laughs> an insane situation. <laughs> yeah. With her daughter being possessed by uh, some some kind of evil spirit. Yeah, I mean, you can you can argue it's probably her mistake for bringing a Ouija board into the house. And allowing demons uh, to possess her daughter. I mean, it's kind of on her. Yeah. But uh, once yeah, that right. happens, uh, it, things go things go haywire. She's just trying to hold it together. She's just so she's so intense. Ellen Burstyn is another like just an amazing actress, but her intensity in this movie mm-hmm. uh, is is really fantastic. I mean, you can really feel for her. Yeah. It's not. It's an interesting horror movie because it's not like. I know it's got it's got some kind of roots in reality, even mm-hmm. though it's about something surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like you know '80s horror movies, which it's just all fantasy. 
you know, like sure. clearly fantasy. Yeah, yeah. This is feels like a real. They feel like real people in a real situation. Yeah. That whether you know that's believable or not is up well, to you. But. Well, the ten, you know, the tension of of something like this happening, and it feels like life or death stakes because. And it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it is. You know, but her daughter becomes this, it continues to escalate into this demonic yeah. thing. And uh, and people are put in harm's way trying to, to rescue her. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Chris Chris McNeil was uh, one of those characters that... Uh, yeah, and she's like, the one... I mean, she's the one who... Obviously, she's fighting for her daughter. Yeah. And at, at first, I mean, like the transition from there's something wrong with her, weird things are happening to her, all the way to when she's, like, fully possessed. Yeah. Um, you, you buy what Chris McNeil's selling. Yeah. You know? Like, that evolution of, like, there's something seriously wrong and, yeah. you know, escalates it to getting the church involved and which she doesn't even believe in. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. If her fear, fear is real, then it really is a threat. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, yeah. And shout out to Linda Blair also. Oh, please. Yes. Kind of a, amazing performance. Yeah, she's uh, incredible. Obvious, but. And just real quick, real quick aside, you ever see the repossessed uh, unofficial sequel with um, Leslie Nielsen and Linda Blair? That is not an unofficial sequel. <laughs> it's a spiritual sequel. A spiritual, yes. Uh, that movie is very funny. <laughs> I is. highly recommend it. Anyway. When was that made? That was the late 80s, right? Yeah, I think so. After Naked Gun? Yeah. Clearly, Had to be. Definitely. I would say like a 89, kind of, 90. Yeah. Maybe 90. Maybe. I don't know. We'd look it up. Wasn't but... Linda Blair in it? She was in it. Yeah, she yeah. plays. She... she plays the same character. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> She's an adult, and then uh, she gets repossessed. And Ellen Burstyn, I don't believe. Yeah, I don't think she's not in any of the sequels. Uh, I don't think so. No, and she's... although Linda Blair is in Exorcist Two, mm-hmm. The Heretic. Oh yes. With uh, William Friedkin, I think. In the favorite one. of the Exorcist movies. <laughs> the Heretic. <laughs> the Heretic. Yeah. And then they just get weird in Exorcist 3 and kind of is off the rails. Anyway, Anywho. we'll talk about that on the Exorcist episode. Uh, staying with Ellen Burstyn, yeah. we move all the way from 1973 all the way to 1974 <laughs> with Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Mm. Uh, another, this is a Martin Scorsese film, directed film, that um, doesn't feel like his other movies. Mm-hmm. He doesn't often have a female lead. And Ellen Burstyn yeah. just coming off of the popularity and the awards success of The Exorcist slides into this as as a single mother who moves to New Mexico with her son and is trying to start a new life with no you know no money and really nothing to hold on to and she she has relationships with these men um, who are you know who are good actors on their own but she's it's her movie she carries this and is a great another real character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she, she decides to change everything about her life and runs into some interesting characters, uh, you know, Harvey Keitel and Chris Christopherson, uh-huh. uh, who, who like help her kind of, uh, navigate, navigate that, yeah. that next level where she thinks what she wants is California. And it's just, she runs into roadblocks and has to work to make some money back so they can get back on the road. Yeah. And, you know, she realizes what her dreams really are when she actually finds someone worth spending her life with. 
And there you have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my take was on. Yeah. Alan Burstyn was just great. And yeah. uh, uh, it's another, it's a, kind of a character piece mm-hmm. for her, really. Um, so highly recommended again if you haven't seen it. Alice doesn't live here anymore. is in a is in a super popular movie. It's kind of a uh, not kind of. It's definitely a forgotten Scorsese movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did it right after Mean Streets. So uh, find that one at your local library. Mm-hmm. Does anyone go there anymore? Libraries? Nobody does. You get a membership. It's free. Every, you what? Know. The, it's what? Yeah. I thought it was hundreds of dollars a year. No, it's free. Oh my god. Uh, but uh, <laughs> or you could get it on Amazon. Oh, okay. You know, just buy it and have it shipped to you. Yeah. Uh, moving along, mm-hmm. but staying in 1974, we're going to go back to our old friend, Faye Dunaway. She's back. She's Faye's back. Faye's back. Yep. She's it's, trying to take that crown back, you what, know. What, uh, which movie was she in in 74? One of my all-time favorites, Chinatown. It's Chinatown, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that's the famous line from it. But who are you doing there? Oh, uh, is that like Telly Savalas? Yeah, Telly Savalas was in there, right? Yeah, <laughs> Telly like, Savalas presents Chinatown. Chinatown. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Faye Dunaway played uh, Evelyn, right? Yeah, Evelyn Mulray. Mulray, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, another strong character. Just you know, the movie is looked at as Jack Nicholson's movie, but it's really, it's I would say it's equally hers. Yeah. Um. Guy, whoops! Oh. oh, I just bumped, I bumped something here. Guys. Well, yeah, because once she becomes part of the mix of what Jack Nicholson's character was, it Giddy, Giddies, Get Giddis, yeah. Giddis, Giddis, what he is involved with, you know, she basically becomes his partner in trying to figure this out. And then there's this whole other subplot you didn't even know what's going on with oh, her. Oh yeah, and it's revealed like what, how she lives her life and what she's been doing. And yeah. It's, Oh my god! It explodes like the she's the it colors the movie in a totally different way. She's so good at hiding what the real story is. Yeah. You know, she just, again, if you watch the movie multiple times, which I'm sure all of you guys have seen it. Of course. uh, The more you watch it, you see her. She's so brilliant at like maneuvering around his questions. Like when he, Mm. when you know, when you know what she's trying to hide, you can see how she's hiding it. Yeah. Yeah. Like just looks, she looks away from him. She literally like quivers when, uh, certain other characters' names are brought up. Mm-hmm. It's just really just great, great performance. It's a different movie after the second time around. Yeah. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah, because you know the secret. Yeah. So you're seeing it from a different angle. Um, but so just, yeah, she did, Faye Dunaway was fantastic in this one. Uh, staying in the 70s. Please. Moving right along. Sissy Spacex, Carrie, in 1976. The, in the movie, Carrie? In the movie, Carrie. Carrie. Uh, that's one of the first. Just not uh, unrelated to Sex in the City. Right. If there was confusion. <laughs> right. This is not a prequel to that. It's not her in high right. school. Because this Carrie is such a Miranda. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. Right. Not, that's the ironic I think thing. There, was, there was some kind of mix up that people <laughs> thought the two were related. Sure. They're not. Uh, but uh, Carrie is the, the perpetually put upon uh, bullied high schooler. Uh, who doesn't? Who's lives such a sheltered life from her religious mother, and ish, she just has a tough time of things. <laughs> like, oh my god, her no. entire life is just sounds like just sounds like is just terrible. <laughs> yeah, like, from the opening credits yeah. where she gets her period right, yeah. her period in the locker, like in the showers. Yeah, 
and immediately teased and yeah. ridiculed for it. And because and she, because she doesn't even understand what's happening, right? But like she's not even taught basic biology from her mother or whatever. Yeah, she's oh again, there's oh. a lot of shout outs here. Yeah, shout out to Piper Laurie. Sure, very another chilling performance. Absolutely. But yeah, she lives a sheltered life by her mother, who's super religious and almost like Satan worshiping. Is that what was going on there? I need to I need to rewatch that one. I don't know if she's a Satan worshiper, is she? The mother? Yeah. I thought that I thought oh. there was some kind of. Well, see, yeah, it's been a yeah, a minute. been a while, but I thought. Yeah. Well, she, doesn't she accuse Carrie of being Satan? Oh, maybe that was it. I think yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, uh, because she because she's exhibiting these unnatural abilities. Yeah. I believe, and um, yeah, I mean, she's just, it's just that Stephen King thing where a character just happens to be supernatural. Yeah. But like, and We're not going to get into why. Yeah, how. no, this is what, just supernatural things happen in the, the Stephen King-averse. Yeah. Uh, and you don't really need an explanation. Um, but, but they couldn't have picked, a, God could not have picked a worse person to have those powers because she ends up. She's living the worst life she could possibly uh, have. And she's had enough. And then she exacts revenge yeah. on everyone. Like, yeah, I mean, and I know the book is a... There's some slight differences between the book and the movie, but... Yeah. Um, you know, you, you feel for Sissy Spacek. She does oh, such yeah. a great job of conveying that, like, innocent child mm-hmm. who, you know, at the prom, when all hell breaks loose, like, she's had enough. Yeah. And that's it. And now that innocent child is gone. Yep. And this evil monster <laughs> has replaced her. Yeah. And she's so, it's still, you know, I wish in hindsight, and again, we'll cover this in, when we do Carrie, the editing, I wish the editing, Brian De Palma's like split screen Brady Bunch, you know, editing uh-huh. wasn't there yeah. anymore. Uh, yeah. Because I would have probably now gotten a lot more out of just stay with Carrie, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not the the split screen is completely distracting. You also don't know what to watch. You're, you're missing things. Right. Um, I, yeah, I understand why he did it, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was just a great performance and uh, one of the scariest, one of the most chilling characters. Yeah. In horror history. Yeah, she and she goes through such a an arc, um, just in terms of the childhood sort of bully despair into into complete monster um and you're kind of with her even when she's murdering people like yeah. you, you get you you kind of have to go with it yeah like, like you you know she's gone too far but you know that of like some of them justice is being served yeah. i guess uh yeah but she it's just space that get that john travolta he'll take care of business <laughs> he'll be taking care of business <laughs> Wait, that, uh, was Belu- that was James Belushi. <laughs> that was James Belushi. <laughs> uh, okay, so 1979, Sally Fields, Norma Ray. She directed this? Did she? <laughs> no. no. I, not the way you said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about the... Uh, oh, right. Oh, her character, yeah, Norma her Ray. Character. Not the movie, which yeah. is named Norma, Norma Ray. Norma Ray, yeah. yeah. Uh, the character and the movie. Right. I know I haven't seen this one in a really long time, but this is a you know another iconic Sally uh, Sally character. Yeah. And this is what she everyone quotes her 
her Oscar mm-hmm. speech. This is this is from from that the win for this movie. Yeah. Well, Sally Field is endlessly watchable in like ev- everything she does, mm-hmm. and Norma Ray is just a great character of complete like taking power for for the powerless. Yeah. You know, it's it's about basically forming unions to protect people, protect um, the worker. The worker. Yeah. They work at a like a cotton Some kind mill, of mill. Yeah. Cotton mill, steel mill. Yeah. Bookbinding mill. I don't know. They <laughs> a do. mill. <laughs> Let's just say a mill. Um, and uh, it, it's a it's always a battle to fight, you know, the corporate interests yeah. and uh, protect the people that do the work and get paid the least, you know, uh, and in dangerous conditions. Yeah, and uh, it's a fight. And uh, I don't think I don't think like a character Sally Field would portray would ever be underestimated. No, yeah. But so it's not like she's achieving anything despite that, despite some sort of underestimation. But it's like she'd be underestimated because she's not the powerful one. She's not the one in power, and she still gets to end up su- help succeed. Everyone succeed. Yeah. So. And she's just Sally's just you know another actress who's fantastic in in any role, whether it's Not Without My Daughter mm-hmm. or Mrs. Doubtfire mm-hmm. or uh, Brothers and Sisters, where I know her from. And Forrest Gump too. And Forrest Gump two. The Forrest yeah. Gump two. Forrest Gump two. Yeah, she comes back. Back in Forrest to Forrest Gump. <laughs> back to the Gump. <laughs> back to. <laughs> but that's right. I forgot you guys. You, you guys saw that, right? <laughs> it was direct to video, <laughs> and it started. Uh, started. I think it was James Franco. Yeah, they did it like five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> it's back to and Sally's. But she's back, back from though. the grave. She's the only one that re- reprised her role. <laughs> But uh, no, Sally Field, wonderful, whether it's The Flying Nun, yep. Gidget. A total pro. Sally's yeah. a total pro. You're familiar of, with her. One of the most uh, professional people that I've worked with. So, oh, cool. And I'll leave it at that. I see. Uh, moving along, 19, we're going to hit 1980 now. We're, hey. uh, we're going 9 to 5. Get your Jordashes on. <laughs> it's time to go to work <laughs> from 9 to 5. Uh, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin. From your favorite show, Grace and Frankie. Yes. And Dolly Parton. Yes. Who played uh, Judy Burnley, Violet Newstead, and Dorley Rhodes uh, from the 9 to 5 film. Was there a show of 9 to 5 also? I think there was. I want to say they probably tried to spin off a show. Do you want to check the recomputer? Recomputer? Let me input the data. But while you were looking at that, it's a powerhouse performance from three. Three ladies who have been wronged by their boss, yeah. who's uh, played by, oh gosh, why did I just blank on his Dabney name? Coleman. Dabney Coleman. Yeah. D- this movie is so funny. It is so silly, in a sense. Um, but these women basically take back the workplace from their boss, who's basically mistreating them. And then they they think they accidentally kill him. Uh, and, then, and then they end up, end up having to kidnap him because they discover an embezzlement plot that he's doing. And so they run the company... In his name, while he's gone, improve everything, and then the ending of the movie. I won't spoil here, but it ends. It's such a wacky ending that it just kind of goes with a lot of these. Like, there's fantasy sequences in the movie and all that that just make it a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. And I mean, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, and and of course Dolly Parton. Yeah. Uh, they're they're so charming and endlessly watchable. Uh, what a fun movie. Yeah, and those are the 
they're great together, and if anybody's watched Grace and Frankie, they're just they're just work so oh well together. God. Oh my god! Um, I don't know if that show is for everyone, but uh, it's a nice, lighthearted show, and and yeah. great performances by them, and cool to see them kind of reunite. Yeah. I fully expect Dolly Parton to show up, and probably the finale of the she, show she whenever better that is. show up that one, I, yeah. I, i'm surprised she hadn't i know so. i'm surprised she hasn't yet either you know, but. but uh uh no great great film great performances by all three yeah so they they since they're all in one movie together they get a, a yeah. slot together they get one it's one movie three ladies one movie but so. they're as equal to the rest of our list because again we're not ranking anybody yeah this is just our favorite women to watch yeah and film. we and you know we we debated about what to call this list yeah Inspirational women, badass women, like really <laughs> strong <they're> just... female. <laughs> but you know what? Like it's all condescending. S- s- <laughs> I don't know if you could say that Carrie's inspirational. Right. She's a murderer. Oh, that's true. And that's there's true. other people as we get into this. <laughs> yeah, I guess even Bonnie from Bonnie and Clyde yeah, isn't necessarily I mean, inspirational. Yeah, like, maybe they're cool, but like, <laughs> would you really want to be them? <laughs> right, right. So uh, we, you know, took a little bit to figure out how we wanted to word that. Yeah. Well, because um, all these characters we're talking about are so dynamic and different, and yeah. they don't really fall under a, a real category, or one descriptor. Yeah. Um, so that's why we just love to watch them. On, we do. On film. Next up, a uh, very special lady in our hearts, Goldie Hawn. Yep. For Private Benjamin. Yeah. She plays Judy Benjamin. Judy. Uh, she's obviously special to us because we hold a special place for her, uh, her significant other. Mr. Well, sure, Mr. Kurt Russell. Mr. Kurt Russell, but I mean, she's so she's like the lead, she's like our our queen. You know, if we had to pick yeah. a queen, yeah, she would be. A, she's tops. Yeah, um, we we love her and everything. And this this one was Nancy Myers, uh, Nancy yeah. Myers movie, I yeah. think, right? But uh, just sort of a fun kind of sort of serious yeah i think the movie's a little more serious and then when they did the show it was kind of pure sitcom a little more mash to yeah. it, to its original yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, very similar thing. to the mass switch <laughs> mash switch I mean, over there's comedic elements to this but obviously it's like very much about this woman going through going through the basic training yeah. and establishing her, her identity as a, a woman who could do do everything the men are doing um yeah. kind of a light-hearted gi jane yeah, very lighthearted. Yeah. yeah, in comparison, I yeah. think so. Um, but really, the first one of that's the first one, the first film I think to broach the subject of women in the military. I guess so. Yeah, I I, I don't know of one before this. Certainly, no mainstream film. Yeah, uh, before this. Yeah, um, which has always was has always been a de- debated topic right. through the eighties and nineties and into the two thousands. Yeah, uh, but this was the first one to really kind of take a look at that issue. And Goldie's leading the charge. Yeah, and uh, and as always, endlessly charming. Uh, oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, so please let's fire it up at right after this. And we love we love Goldie in many other movies, including Overboard, which <laughs> yes. we're gonna get to that. Sure, but that one doesn't quite qualify for this list. I w- yeah, <laughs> if I was gonna use a Goldie Hawn movie for the list, I mean, I love Overboard. Sure, who but, doesn't? But uh, her, it's her Judy Benjamin. Um, you know, Private Benjamin's her movie. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Overboard yeah, she is had, little, pretty much. It's you know, it's the duo. Well, was the, Private? I think Private Benjamin was her first like sole leading, you know, role. Yeah, because she had done. Uh, she left Laughing in the late '60s or early '70s. 
she did a couple movies with Chevy Chase, but that was like they were sharing. Yeah, you know, she's also in Shampoo, mm-hmm. directed by Hal Ashby. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah. yeah, this is her this first. Is hers, yeah, yeah, this is her first like leading role. That's mm-hmm. her movie, her yeah. vehicle. Uh, staying in nineteen. Oh, sorry, moving to nineteen eighty one. Yes, our old friend Adrian Barbeau. Oh. From John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Oh, she played Maggie in that one. She played Maggie, and if you want to hear us talk about Escape from New York, which was our very first episode, <laughs> you can you have to dig that one real deep in our archives. Go deep in the archives, yep. and unearth it, plus play, and enjoy the ride. <laughs> it definitely doesn't sound like an early episode. But she's Maggie is kind of like traditionally what a quote you know man would role a man's role would be. She's like kind of the badass. Yeah. Tough guy, yeah. She's not. She's not sexualized in any way. She's super competent. She's badass. She can hold herself on a in battle. She she's smart. Like these are characteristics that are basically assigned to every male like supporting action character. Yeah. Um, but she gets to be the person that helps our main character, Snake, get, Snake, Bliskin, Kurt. Kurt Russell, um, get, complete his mission. Yeah. So without her. Uh, nothing goes forward. Yeah, she's sort of like, you know, Snake meets up with Harry Dean Stanton, who plays Brain, who yeah. is the brains of the uh, of knowing everything about New York and this prison and, and what's where and what bombs are along the way that they yeah. need to avoid. But she, Adrian Barbeau, is his enforcer. Yeah. So she's sort of like the muscle to Harry Dean's brains. And I think she is the one that is, brings Snake to the brain, right? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I feel yeah. like that's without yeah. her doing that, they would never have met up. Right, and helping him, you know, on that final kind of oh, that final push to the get final out. push to get to the to the safety. So well, she meets an unfortunate end. Spoiler alert! Uh, but also, uh, that's two movies in a row with Harry Dean Stanton. He's also in Private Benjamin. Oh my gosh, you're right. So how you're about right. that? Anyway, yeah. d- that's a fun little trivia for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Adrian Barbeau, um, she's great in a lot of her. Yeah, films. she did like, a lot of a lot of early Carpenter stuff, yeah. uh, The Fog, and she's in Creep Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Creep Show. Was it Creep Show Two or Creep Show One? Mm, um, I can I could look it up on the computer, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's Creep Show One. You think so? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to confirm that in a moment. And it's too bad, you know, it's too bad we don't see Adrian Barbeau uh, that often anymore. I don't know if that's, you know, by choice or just things have moved, left her behind. Yeah, but. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure she's not into being a movie star necessarily. But, yeah, uh, yeah don't think it is. It's Creepshow. Yeah, yeah. Creepshow 1. So, Creepshow, Creepshow 1 is what they call it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, Maggie herself in Escape from New York, uh, uh, wonderful character. Yeah. Uh, next up is the lovely Jennifer Beals, who plays Alex Owens in 1983's Flashdance. Flashdance! What a feeling. Yeah. What's your favorite part of this movie? Not the dance scene. No. That's not it. (laughs) That's the only thing they show is the dance scene. I know, really. It's it's actually... Which is at the end of the movie, right? It's actually kind of a dark movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Not what you think from from every clip that's been shown. It's kind of like Saturday Night Fever is a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. That like all you see is the dance clips. Yeah, yeah. But the movie is much darker, much more depressing. Um, 
she's you know this was really kickstarted her career mm-hmm. and uh just a, another great performance mm-hmm. um you know her basically trying to get her dance you know her dance career together yeah like she doesn't have any formal training yeah but she knows a lot of things you know she knows a lot of styles yeah um and it takes a couple of pushes from other other supporting characters to fulfill the dream but she ha- she's the one that has the dream yeah to like join the uh what do you call it like the conservatory or whatever yeah yeah so that's um you know she and then she succeeds yeah she gets in fueled by a great soundtrack too of course yeah moving along staying 1983 mm-hmm. uh another one of our our uh of characters from our archive Beverly D'Angelo's Ellen Griswold from National Lampoon's Vacation, which you can find in our archives. That was our number two episode. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So how about way, that? Way back when. Well, of course, like these mo- the movies we've already covered, this is our third one from our archives, because, in part because we love these characters. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Ellen <laughs> is – she's the perfect supporting – that's well, any woman who can put up with right. Clark's weirdness, yeah, and craziness uh, is got to be a tough character. Yeah, she does it with a plume. Would you say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes, <laughs> excellent word. But, she, but she's such a she's charming in and of herself, and she doesn't um, give you any sense that like she's put upon or. That this is a hassle. She loves her family. She puts up with her husband's silliness, but it's not like it's not like the typical like sitcom thing where she's just going to roll her eyes every time. Yeah. She's accepted who he is until it kind of reaches a big turning point. But yeah, she's along with the along for the ride. Well, she's got some wackiness of her own. Yeah, you know, like when she tries to she forgives him and tries to you know jumps in the pool with him. Yeah, and then has the same freak out because. The pool's cold. So cold, yeah. The same freak out he just had woke everybody up in the hotel. <laughs> right, so right, right. I, I like that moment with her. Yeah. But, um, uh, but another uh, fun role and, and great in the sequels as well. Yeah. She she helps carry those films. We're going to shift back to horror for a second ah. with Heather Langenkamp as Nancy Thompson in the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, wow. Now, horror movies are, you know, there's quite common at this point in the early 80s to see female leading roles Mm -hmm. but this one there are no men helping her along the way all right all the men are are kind of useless Mm -hmm. because so she's got to stand on her own to fight freddy krueger yeah she's got to fight and defeat johnny depp who's her boyfriend who you kind of like expect is you know gonna fight freddy or something No. no no definitely doesn't happen i won't spoil what happens to him but he, uh, but he does fall asleep with a large television on his on right, his right on his crotch. Hips. Yeah, <laughs> very <laughs> that's hard to watch go. that yeah. scene. But so weird. Maybe that's what made Johnny crazy. <laughs> um, so but, yeah, he doesn't help her. Mm-hmm. Uh, her father, who's the town police, you know, town uh, chief of police. Mm-hmm. I think he's the chief of police. Something, something like that. yeah, yeah some sheriff kind. or. Uh, he doesn't believe her. Nobody believes her. She's got to. She's got to completely like find her own intestinal fortitude mm-hmm. to fight and get rid of Freddy. Yeah, she's the hero. Yeah, and uh, well, thank you. And, and really, her. it's really like this first one that she's, you know, such a strong character. They bring her character back in the third one, and it's really 
watered down and and a lot of the you know emo- the psychology behind it is kind of gone oh okay she also comes back in the second one playing herself because it's all a self-reflexive piece about the making of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. What the hell? So she plays Heather Langenkamp. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of a cool spin on it. Sure, it's a fun movie, but uh, it's really early to get into the meta of it. <laughs> well, that was part seven by that point. So. Oh, I thought you said part two. <laughs> no, you Did meant... I say okay? I think if you I said, said part, part two. two like, part... Wait a minute. <laughs> part two is its own world of discussion. Yeah, yeah. which. We'll get to someday. But. Okay. <laughs> so she's in one, three, and seven. One, three, and seven. Yeah. She uh, is, and she was. Um, uh, Heather was also in a television sitcom, yes, right? Just the ten of us. Just the ten of us. That's that's where I first met her. I didn't see any of the Freddy movies until great theme much song later on that show, by the way. Oh yeah, look it up, or maybe we'll put a link to it. You're doing the best you can. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> but uh, so it was. I didn't realize she was Nancy. Until much later in life, yeah. That I'm like, wait a minute. She was like the the big the big hero of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, was she like she, the nerdy sister? Yeah, she plays a big nerdy sister. Yeah, You're like you know, glasses, eighties like, nerd. You know, yeah. yeah, big big hair, but pulled back in a ponytail yeah. with curls, sweater, long skirts, sweater. Yeah. like total nerd fest, dude. <laughs> and the hot sister is like definitely played against her nerdy like. Uh, homely version who i think that sister was in friday the third or nightmare on elm street part five one of the sisters right yeah i don't yeah yeah so there's a whole anyway there's a whole thing but heather langenkamp obviously can play it all yeah she she does it all (laughs) homely homely nerdy sister and killer of serial killers yeah killer of killers killer of killers yeah anyway uh okay now we're going to get to the John Hughes era of films. And we've got Molly Ringwald and Ali Sheedy from The Breakfast Club. All right. Now, Breakfast Club is, a, I think, a very important film. Mm-hmm. I know recently Molly has actually come out talking against the film and, and yeah. against John Hughes. Not all the way against him, but, you know, that there were... That there were issues, especially where feminism was concerned. Yeah, she she was very upfront about some of the more pro- problematic things about the process and the story. I think, right? Yeah, and uh, and John Hughes himself, but understanding like it's complicated. Yeah, like I think those she thinks those ne- issues need to be addressed, but that doesn't negate everything about John Hughes or everything about the movie. Yeah, itself, but. Well, it's an important. I think it's an important movie. It's it's five teenagers who are in uh, detention, Saturday detention, and they're basically locked in the school by this, you know, asshole principal. Yeah, uh, who's fantastic character. But yeah. uh, each of the characters get their their own moments throughout the day where you see like why they're there, mm-hmm. what they're going through, and I think that movie really nailed. You know, th- things that kids today can probably still relate to. Mm-hmm. You know, they they kind of pick some stereotypes: the nerd, the jock, the you know, the rebel, the pretty girl, the the goth girl. Yeah, and kind of, kind of like based everything around those kinds of characters. Yeah, but they did a great job of playing those roles, and you know, seeing what a slice, a slice of their lives are like at that, at that age. Yeah. Well, and so yeah, Molly Ringwald plays the, like sort of the 
uh, wealthy, popular, smart uh, girl in the school. And Ali Sheedy plays the weirdo, doesn't talk a lot. And it's the same thing like if you were in, when you were in high school, like you have your preconceived notions about these people and bits of them are slowly revealed throughout the day in in the film and they become real people they, and and then they become relatable to each other and the audience right because you either are you're definitely a part of you is like almost every one of those characters in some way um and then you also know people that fit a lot of those roles a lot better than you and it's that's what makes it instantly relatable and so molly and ally did an incredible job in this yeah one. everybody not i'm gonna make a generalization and say everybody in high school has their own problems. Sure. You know, it's just that age, Mm -hmm. that time of your life, you're going through a lot of different things. And I I doubt you'd find anybody who would, who would say they don't have some kind of issue with something in their lives, you know? Yeah. No one has a perfect life. Yeah. No matter how much they pretend. Yeah. And, you know, especially Molly Ringwald's character, you know, they, the pretty girl can do a good job of hiding that. Yeah. But the, everybody has their issues. Yep. And uh, this just exemplified it. It's a great film if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Give it a shot. Also in 1985, Megan Follows plays a, uh, a character, Anne Shirley from Anne of Green Gables. Yes. Now, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. Yeah. But I'm a big Megan Follows fan from <laughs> Silver Bullet. Oh, so. of course. Well, yeah. So the, you love the whole oeuvre of Megan Follows. Yeah. Megan Follows, excuse me. But uh, I think, yeah, the Anne of Green Gables was like a TV miniseries even. It's like, it's a huge thing on its own. Yeah, because then they made a sequel, Anne of, oh God, I, oh, for, yeah. I forgot what, what the sequel was. There's but, like a whole series. Yeah, there's yeah. like a series. And if this is based on a book from like 1900 or something like that. Yeah. But, um, you know. I think it's it's been a while for me, but I know she was like adopted. She was like an orphan girl adopted by like an affluent, uh, affluent family, but they thought they were like adopting a boy because they needed they needed someone to help around the farm, uh, doing the chores. But they got her, and then she sort of like wreaks sort of wreaks havoc in their lives, not in a real terrifying way, but just. You know, she's a little rough around the edges and a little uncouth and a, uh, a little rascally. Um, and it's just how everyone else bounces off her. Yeah. And, uh, but she, I like, I think I, she's like the original Dennis the Menace. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of in that description. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, then I think it takes place in like the 1900s. Too. Yeah. It's it like, does, it's yeah. not, it's not, it's a, a period, period piece. piece period sure. piece. Yeah. So, anyway, um, but yeah, I hadn't. I haven't seen this since like, like ninety. Maybe we'll need to watch it. Yeah, I kind of, yeah. I kind of like it. Yeah. I, I don't know. They should do, but they should do another one in space. <laughs> and of Jupiter, <laughs> and of Jupiter seven, <laughs> and of Jupiter ascending. <laughs> right. Uh, also in nineteen eighty five, we have the Academy Award winning performance. Right. Nice. Yes. Yeah. And a star-making turn, really. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg as Celie in The Color Purple. Yeah. Steven Spielberg directed. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is definitely, this one, Best Picture, Best Actress. Was uh, she actress or supporting actress? I can't I oh. get that one. Because Oprah was in this as well, wasn't she? She was. Yeah. I think Whoopi was the lead actress. I believe that's true. Yeah. I think she's the lead. But actress. definitely a star-making performance. She was... 
she was a comic at this point, and this is that that career changing role of of this very serious uh very serious film that propelled her to kind of oscar level mm-hmm. uh yeah she was uh best yeah best lead best leading actress yeah so um and then she didn't you know strangely she didn't really stay with dramatic work after this she went right back to Jumpin' Jack Flash Jumpin and, Jack Flash. and uh, Burglar. Maybe Burglar was before this, but that could be. <laughs> uh, no, Burglar was a couple of years later. Yeah, yeah, two years later. But uh, I mean, she even showed up on an episode of Moonlighting. So in between, Whoopi, Color, Color Purple, and Jumpin' Jack Flash. Wow. So, and still going strong. Yeah, but I mean, Whoopi Goldberg is just one of those talents. Like, I mean, I mentioned Ghost before on the show. Uh, which I think she was nominated for Ghost, right? Yeah, she, and wasn't she nominated for Sister Act? Oh, I think so. Yeah. So oh, she's Sister the, Act? Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> she just shows up in all sorts of things. Yeah. And she's, she's just great. Oh, Soap Dish? Oh, Soap Dish. Oh, my God. Can we cover oh, Soap Dish? Whoopi. Whoopi. Wonderful. We love you. Um, but obviously, like, uh, an amazing an amazing character uh, in The Color of Purple showing, like, the things African Americans are facing in America uh in the early like early 1900s i think yeah it's like um so uh it's shown a light for probably larger audiences to get get an understanding of what what the struggle is (laughs) when when you're not a white person yeah and um so important role and obviously deserving of any all the accolades she got for it yeah and, and really i think looking back on a career best yeah, performance. It's a topper. Definitely, as far as you know, dramatic work. This is number one for sure. Yeah, comedic is Jumpin' Jack Flash. Yeah, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, shifting gears here. So, remember the eighties? Do you remember that decade? Boy, do I. You st- <laughs> when you when you talk about action movies, you think of you know you've got Arnold, you've got Stallone, Bruce Willis. Chuck Norris, mm-hmm. right? Sure. A couple other guys, Michael yeah. Dudikoff in there, Jean Claude Van Damme. Van Damme, yep. As we, as he was a little more in the late '80s into the '90s. Well, sure. But there was a female version of those characters who's been long forgotten. Who, I think it's time if they do the Expendables, they should they should find a way to bring this lady back, mm. Cynthia Rothrock. Oh, who uh, was basically. She was a martial artist, mm-hmm. and she was uh, really kind of the equivalent of Chuck Norris, like just a all-around versatile badass, uh, yeah, ass kicker. Oh yeah, totally. Like in those kinds of movies, got like, it. Yeah, you know, just all-out ass kicking. Uh-huh. Uh, some of the ones that I have seen, and it ranges from like the mid '80s to like the mid '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen her in China O'Brien, mm-hmm. Rage and Honor. Honor and Glory, so honor is very important. Lana. Lana. <laughs> Sworn to Justice, No Retreat, No Surrender 2. Mm-hmm. Two, not two. one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay, it was called Above the Law, but also called Writing Wrongs. Oh, it's called Writing Wrongs? Well, it was, I think, an Asian film that in, uh, in Asia was called Above the Law. Oh, Here it was called because there was the... Oh, there the was Seagal the Seagal was, above the law, so they it. had to change the name. Got it. Uh, Lady Dragon, undefeatable. And I said China O'Brien, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So yeah, check any of those out. They're totally fun. They're mm-hmm. just ass kicking, low budget 
action movies, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're into the Chuck Norris style of action movie. Mm-hmm. So it's not you know a lot of heavy drama. It's just kind of uh, some plot and then go with the action. Go with the action. Have but fun. Let's let's not forget Cynthia Rothrock's contribution to the action uh, genre. Absolutely. Uh, Endlessly watchable that Cynthia Rothrock. <laughs> those are those are those are fun middle of the night. Movies. You have to be in the mood, but you'll have fun when you're in. Yeah, the mood. I remember coming across a lot of those, and I don't know if it was USA up all night. Oh, it has to be. Or like TNT had you know some kind of like late night action movies. Yeah, yeah. That were probably TNT. You know, there was like some sex stuff in it, but then yeah, you know some some. Uh, some great action as well. Of course. There's another movie called Hard Ticket to Hawaii that we will we might do that as a watch along. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's amazing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh also in nineteen eighty six was uh Jeanette Goldstein mm-hmm. as Vasquez in Aliens. So oh. we disqualified Ripley. Yes. But we're gonna we're gonna include Vasquez. Yeah. She's also sort of the enforcer of the the colonial marines who are trying to rescue these colonists who've, you know, I'm sure you've all seen it, but uh, are are on this colony on the planet from the first alien movie. So she they're sent in to rescue them, and she's the kind of the ass kicker of the of the bunch. Yeah, she's got a great attitude. Um, she she helps uh, like sort of make the group a whole like everyone in that group all those colonial marines all have a distinct personality and uh she's just another one of those who uh, brings a lot to the table she ends up being a character who has to sacrifice she sacrifices herself like she's injured i think or is it her or is it the other guy that was injured but either way has to save every do everything she can to help save everybody. Yeah, she's like one of the blowing everybody up. Right. There's a yeah. There's there's an a, an attack on the Marines and yeah. most of them are killed. She survives and she's sort of like the tough you know the tough character of the group after that. Yeah. So you know she she's kind of in charge of you know protecting yeah. everybody else. Yeah. She's got the big gun. Yep. Which I think she may have lost by that point, but yeah. But she uh, she has to yeah she has to take over everything. You know I mean they're a unit. But she becomes uh, someone who's got to help protect Ripley and, yeah. and, and the lone, the one lone survivor. Yeah. And the cat. And the cat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we love, we love Jeanette Goldstein. She also shows up in, uh, she's great in Near Dark. She's great in uh, a couple other James Cameron movies. Yeah, she's in Terminator 2. She is in Terminator 2. And a quick, quick role in Titanic. Oh. Yeah. You see her there, so oh, okay. always cool how how some of the same faces pop up in the James Cameron movies. But of course, yeah, definitely check her out uh, if if you like her in Aliens. Check her out in Near Dark, another great uh, vampire performance uh, okay, by yes. her by Jeanette. Uh, and then we're gonna we've got one more here before we get to our honorable mentions, and then we'll wrap up part one. Completely shifting gears from from Aliens. Mm-hmm. Adventures in Babysitting. Oh. Elizabeth Shoes Chris. Yes. I forgot her last name, but Chris. I think it's just Chris. They call her Chris a lot <laughs> yeah. in the movie. But yeah, Elizabeth Shoe. Great in the Karate Kid. Yeah, but, th- but then this was her first lead, right? She, yeah. I th- yeah. She, this, this is, is I think this is why she's not in Karate Kid 2. She did this one. Is because she's doing this. Got it, yeah. Probably a, a good move. But she's like, what, a high school senior who is called in to babysit, uh, you know, 
this girl, but th- this girl also has two teenage or a teenage brother who's also in that high school. Yeah. <laughs> and his friend. Uh, and uh, she gets into some, they all get into some hijinks just because she has to go pick up her friend from yeah. the bus station in, in downtown Chicago. So she's got to take the kids she's babysitting and then the the kid's brother and friend who tag along. Yeah. And so they're kind of rushing to the city to rescue her friend, Chicago, right? Yeah, in Chicago, yeah. And uh, wackiness ensues. Yeah, because they're from the suburbs. So, like, going into the city is a big deal, yeah. you know? Like, and, uh, you know, they, they were not prepared. But Elizabeth Shue has to hold it all together. She's got to, like, sort well, look of... At the, look at the poster. <laughs> the poster summarizes it all. <laughs> That's, like, a, almost a literal scene from the movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Where I think on the poster they're all like hanging on to a rope outside the building. Yeah, and, they're all hanging off of her. Yeah, right? yeah. Like so, obviously a, a heightening of uh, all those kind of action movie posters. But there's a similar. There's almost the exact same thing that happens in the film. Not all the characters are on the outside yeah. of a building. It's fun. Yeah, but there's a ref. There's that, that is a reference to something in the film. But just the bravery that Chris has to show in singing that blues song. Oh my god! Oh my yeah, god. I th- it was so. It's just it's one the of those babysitter m- blues. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Of course, oh, it's like it's cringeworthy, but uh, <laughs> more power to Elizabeth Shue for doing it. Yeah, she she did so great in this one, and uh, I it's been years since I've watched it, but uh, it's a fun it's movie. Good. It's still fun. Yeah, I th- and I think when you watch it when you're a kid and and everything, it's just sort of like. Boy, what could, could we have an adventure like that? Yeah. You, you feel like you're you are inevitably going to have an adventurous night like that. Yeah, and you kind of do in your life. Like you just have like a one great moment, one great night of things happening, and they're probably inconsequential to almost anybody else. But because you experienced it, yeah, um, and that's what's like sort of communicated in this one. And you know, there's always sort of a leader of that group of going through things, and it's Elizabeth Shue yeah. who holds it all together. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, they all discover different facets of their relationships in their friendship. Yeah. And her career is interesting to track too. Yeah. She kind of comes and goes a little bit through different, you know, different periods of time. But in the mid nineties around leaving Las Vegas, she did Hmm. uh, not just that movie, but a a couple of other movies that, um, were, were just strong roles. She's a great actress. Uh, and this is one of her great early performances. Absolutely. So hats off to Elizabeth Chu. Yeah. Maybe we'll get her in for the show one of these Let's days. Let's get her in. I, yeah. I don't know. We'll call her agent. Yeah. See if she's busy. Uh, okay. So that's gonna we're gonna pause our list at that point. Yeah. At we're, this point, right now, the list will continue in uh, an eventual part two. Yeah. But so stay tuned for part two. Before we get to that, though. Yeah. Let's hit some of uh, some honorable mentions. Didn't quite, uh, you know, work into the list because of the rules we've set up. Yeah. But uh, we want to kind of shout out to these five, five people as well. Yeah, and we're staying in the, sort of the time frame of the, this part of the list, yes. right? The so, 67 to 80, 87. We're going to start with, I guess, beginning in seventy-seven. But this character ranged, well, I guess, ranged all the way through present day. Yeah, basically. Uh, Carrie Fisher's Princess Leia. Yes. Of course, we wouldn't talk about these, you know, uh, women we love to watch on film. Without talking about Princess Leia, but she didn't qualify. She's right. DQ'd. She got she got a lot of rescues. Yeah, well, her way and yeah, she's rescued by Luke in New Hope. I'm sure. Rescued by Luke in Luke and Lando in Return of the Jedi. 
Right. On Java's sail barge. Right. And yes, and she obviously pretty exploitive. Uh, the the bikini. The, yeah. The bikini. Like, yeah. you know, didn't actually much. have to do that. So yeah. it is kind of a thing. Even though she, you know, she rescues Han Solo. She helps Luke get off Cloud City. She helps Luke escape the Death Star when they when they when she's blasting people with blasters. Yep. So she holds her own totally much definitely totally a great character as her own as her own or someone with her own agency. Uh, and obviously, like she's important part of the rebellion. Um, but just you know, it doesn't quite she doesn't quite fit the list in yeah. terms of those things. So yeah, I mean, it, you know, she pushes immediately past Luke and and kind of takes charge of the escape. Yeah, but it is Han and Luke and I guess Chewbacca that yeah. that do rescue her. So it's literally they have to rescue a princess. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> in space. So it 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 muddies the water a little yeah. bit there. But anyway, but obviously a very influential character yeah. motivated a lot of uh, a lot of young women, especially who are you know just growing up in that era. Mm-hmm. Very important character, uh, especially you know you see that reverence in in the new movies. Sure. Um, and we'll find out how they wrap that character up very soon. Yes, good luck. <laughs> uh, next on the honorable mentions list. Uh, 1978's Dawn of the Dead. Hmm. Uh, Galen Ross plays Francine, who oh. is the, the sole kind of female character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the zombie apocalypse has happened. Our, we, have, we follow four characters as they, they escape the apocalypse and hole up in a mall. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of somewhere in rural Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and you just—it's really a character piece. You just kind of watch these people try to create a life for themselves inside this mall. The whole movie is a commentary on the mall culture at the time, mm-hmm. which was really just starting. But uh, she evolves over time, and she, you know, is kind of helpless in the beginning and doesn't really have a role for herself. And then by the end, she's kind of figured out where she fits in and where she, uh, you know, really what, what she's meant to do with this group. I won't spoil the ending, but please don't. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a fantastic film an underrated performance by her and, uh, and led to, I think further female roles in the zombie genre. Got it. That they, yeah. Cause like you said, she's the only female in Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Right? yeah. They're the main character, right? Yeah. And there's real, I mean, it's a small cast yeah. anyway, but, just it's a bunch of a few humans and a bunch of zombies right? yeah she's kind of similar to carol from walking dead oh, okay sure that kind of a role got it so i think that was kind of it inspired it, those types of roles including the sort of change she goes through yeah yeah got it yeah so well thank you galen ross yeah uh, another horror film 1978's Halloween, oh. which you can check out in the archives, David. <laughs> if you missed that show, David, you know you can go to the archives. I'm gonna, I'm going to subscribe right now. <laughs> so why does Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode not make the list? So you would think that she would be right there in the top five, yeah, right? Right. But we we did touch on it in that episode. She's she's fighting off. Michael Myers, you know, the whole the whole finale of the film. Right. She's pushing him off. She eludes she death. like twice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but really, it's not until Donald Pleasant shows up, and the same thing happens in part two, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that's how Michael finally gets knocked off in each of the movies. It's, you know, Pleasant has to do it, not yeah. Jamie Lee. Yeah. 
She kills him like two or three times. He continues to come as this, and she's pretty much out of gas by the time. Yeah, she would have been. She would have finally died if he didn't walk in and just shoot Michael Myers. Yeah, I think he shot him. Right. Yeah, he shot him enough times to get him to run away. So it's uh, yeah, that's the unfortunate thing because the movie would have been maybe better if it didn't end that way. If it, yeah. if, if Laurie got the killing blow, yeah, the final blow, as it were, and but, then he showed up, yeah, you know, and then he's like, oh, oh. I think it would have been cool if 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 yeah. Laurie, yeah, exactly what he said. I get how I get the fun of the dramatic tension of like she's just gonna, and then of course he just comes in and rescues, yeah, the situation. But unfortunately, Jamie Lee, that's why you got to stay in the honorable mentions. But you did great, Ms. yeah, Laurie. But we love Jamie Lee, and uh, she's our squeam queen. She's our squeam queen. Wait, <laughs> scream queen? I don't know how to talk. Uh, next up is 1981's Body Heat. Kathleen Turner, who plays Maddie Walker. Now, if you're a Kathleen Turner fan, who isn't? Who isn't? Right. Love Kathleen Turner. I mean, great in everything. Everything. Especially Vi Warchowski. Vi Warchowski. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Uh, Jewel of the Nile. Yeah, Romancing the, the Stone, Stone is... I, I debated about putting Romancing the Stone, but obviously that would have been disqualified yeah. as well. Uh, this is really one of her, if not the strongest performance of her career. Mm-hmm. Really intense role. Uh, she co-stars... Well, she really leads, but uh, with w- William Hurt is in the film, and uh, she's... It's a. It's really a, like a film noir piece. Mm-hmm. Uh heavy on the sexual content mm-hmm. where she's trying to manipulate him into killing her husband. Oh, yeah. And she's just, you know, she's the central point of the film. Yeah. Um, and this is like her breakout role. I mean, like, yeah, her, like yeah. one, it's like one of her first things she ever did. I yeah. Think, right? And she had a, a whole string of hits through the eighties, especially yeah. with her, you know, when she co-starred with Michael Douglas, but this is really her movie. Yeah. And, uh, so if you're a fan, definitely seek it out. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and Kathleen Turner and, and everything. I mean, even just Roger Rabbit, like she, yeah. she, she she's just, got that voice, that voice, oh, that voice with that that vocal fry. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, and last, but certainly not least, go on. Now this character ranged a huge period of time, from the '60s to the '90s. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna put her in here. Mm-hmm. Uhura from Star Trek, Michelle oh. Nichols. Oh yeah, groundbreaking uh, character for you know the she was the first African American uh, female character on TV. I think is that right? I think that's true on network TV. Well, there was only network TV then. I'm not. I'm not gonna check I'm, that. Recompute what? that. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> but tell me more about Uhura. Uh, so yeah, she's part of the the bridge crew on the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. She's in every, you know, every uh, Star Trek movie with the original cast members. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I would I disqualified her because, you know, all, all over the place she's rescued by Captain Kirk, rescued by Spock. Yeah, always one of them, yeah. not anybody else. She's got some cool moments in some of the films. Uh, mm-hmm. They finally give her more of a character to work with. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ultimately she's disqualified from the list. But a groundbreaking performance and, and character in, in TV history. Yeah. Well, we love Which her. segued into movies. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, on film, 
And I, and I think she has a lot more to do in the movies. And yeah, and it's integral to a, the actual plot. Yeah, and some of them. You know, it's an ensemble. It's an ensemble thing. Obviously, it's the trio is always the right the main character. Yeah, right? she's got a little bit to do in part three. She's mm-hmm. got a little bit to do in part five. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in the J.J. Abrams remakes, that uh, her character is way more of a central character and and. Uh, you know, central to the plot and a leading role yeah. than she was in the original, but uh, always, a, always a groundbreaking uh, character. Yeah, I, I think you might be confusing the, just the interracial kiss as a milestone. Oh, was that? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's obviously that was a that was a milestone. I mean, there's there have been black characters on TV before the ori- the original series aired. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, you're right. It was, but you know, was she's the, a she's commanding. She's on the the bridge of a starship. Uh, you know, she's got she's a character of some. Importance. Well, and it was part of Gene Roddenberry's vision of of the future of like everyone yeah. being together. Yeah. You know, we're in the middle of the Cold War. Not the middle, but you know, we're in the Cold War, and they've got a Russian on the on the bridge of the Enterprise, mm-hmm. an African American woman, an Asian guy, mm-hmm. a Scottish guy, Scottish guy, I mean, and a half human, half Vulcan. Yeah. So someone who's and totally two, and two white dudes. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so it's quite a that was that was a lot of diversity yeah for television yeah then, that was so. that really like broke the mold for diversity so. game changer yeah so uh, so thank you uh, Nichelle yeah and uh, so yeah that's gonna wrap up part one of our list we will be back uh, down the road with part two so stay tuned keep your eyes and ears open for that it's coming for you you don't know when <laughs> but it's coming and we're gonna pick up in the mid 80s and kind of head towards the early to early 2000s great let's do it yeah uh, so thanks for listening guys don't forget to uh, check us out on iTunes give us a five star review if you can just take 30 seconds just to do that mm-hmm it would uh, boost the show and we'd really appreciate it. We appreciate it. Check out the Twitter and Instagram at Reconcinimation. And uh, thanks again to uh, uh, Curtis Moore doing the cover art for us and also EK Wimmer with our theme. Appreciate it, guys. You, you help make our show even better. Yeah. And check out his podcast, Laser Graves, wherever oh, yes. you listen to your, uh, your whole podcast world. Thank you. Let's do it. All right. We'll catch you guys uh, on the next episode of Reconcinimation. Bye now.